Good morning again. Um, we're going to be in First John this morning, so if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to First John chapter 4, that's where we'll be, uh, verses 1 through 6. I do want to say Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and I hope, I hope that all of us have great weeks. I hope that all of us um, get to spend some time with some friends or family or both, um, and, and I hope that we all take the opportunity this week to give thanks for the, the good things that God has given us, as we just sang about. And I know that it's easy sometimes to focus on the things that are going wrong in life and not to focus on the things that we should be grateful for or thankful for. I know that there have been plenty of times in my life where Thanksgiving or Christmas or just every any regular day has rolled around and, and I am just overwhelmed by tribulations of just being a human being and being alive and, and the, the trials that come with that. And um, ha- how many of you have ever experienced a, a feeling like that or a day like that where you just felt overwhelmed? And so what, what I want us to remember during this time of Thanksgiving is this, that during Thanksgiving, it's we don't forget about the bad things that are going on. We don't forget about the negative things that have happened to us in our lives or our currently happening to us, but we choose, in, in spite of those things, we choose to focus on the good. We choose to focus on God. We choose to make sure that, that we are thinking of things that are good and noble and trustworthy and, and all of those things that are mentioned there in Philippians chapter 4, that we are choosing to focus on uh, the good that God has brought into our life. This morning, what we're going to look at is... we're. We're in the middle of John, this letter that John wrote. We have seen a lot of things. Some of the the highlights, the main points of John, he has told us that he is writing this letter uh, so that we can have better fellowship with God, that we can have better fellowship with each other so that our joy can be made complete. Those are the things that we all want. We all want a better relationship with God and each other, and we all want our joy to be complete. Yet, in the midst of this, he he is addressing sin, and the, when the, peop, the sin that the people had in their lives, he's addressing that, and, and he's addressing it in a manner because he wants their joy to be complete. In order for our joy to be complete, then we have to deal with the sin that is in our lives. We have to help others deal with the sin that is in their lives, and we have to be gracious about it, and we have to be loving about it. And we saw in the last chapter, we saw what true love is. It's not that we love each other, but it's that Jesus gave up his life for us. And because of what he did, and because of the way he loved us, then that should urge us, as followers of Christ, to love others in a similar manner. And so then we choose to love others. And that's what this week, I hope you can remember. You're going to have an opportunity to come in contact with some people this week that you can choose to love them. To be honest, sometimes sitting around the Thanksgiving table, it's not always easy to love every single person that's in the room with you. Or is that just my family? Okay, all right. It's not always easy to get along. It's not always easy to be there. These are not scriptural. These are just Philip. But here's some easy pointers. Don't talk about politics, okay? That'll make the meal go a little more smoothly, okay? We're going to talk about fake news here in a second. Don't talk about that. Enjoy each other's company. Talk about the things that you have in common. Talk about the things that are good. And no matter what's being said and what's being talked about, I encourage you to show your love for each other. All this will tie back into the message in just a moment. But I do want to say that for those of you, if, if, if you didn't remember, this morning we were taking up our 
Arkansas Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries offering. And so if, if you forgot to give and that was something you were wanting to do, to give towards the children's home, then you can always put that in your offer, in the offering plate at a later date, and we will make sure we get that to them. You can put it in the office today before you leave, whatever you want to do there. Anyway, with that said, we, we live in a world right now where I just read a couple of days ago where they now believe that Russia has interfered in the past year or two with over 18 elections worldwide. I get why they're doing it. They want to try to make sure that they're getting things done their way and stuff. Some people just like to do chaos. And so, you know, I don't know all the details behind why they're doing what they're doing, but but they're doing it. I'm sure y'all have heard. How many of y'all are on Facebook? If you're on Facebook, raise your hand. All right, so about... 80% 80% of the room here is on Facebook. You know, I've heard where they created these fake accounts and they were doing these fake news, fake ads, and even just regular fake people. <laughs> That's such a weird statement. On Facebook were basically uh, campaigning for certain individuals, what, depending on which side of things they were on. And people, like millions and millions of people saw this information. And so we live in a world today where we have to be careful about what we believe and what we don't believe. We have to know. I can't tell you how many times I click on an article because something is said, and I want to see who their sources are. And guess what? No sources. They could just be making this stuff up, right? I'm getting, I have a point with all this, I promise. How many of y'all remember several years ago there was a commercial for some credit card the, the woman kept saying that it has to be true. I, I saw it on the internet. And then the, the very, the last punchline is um, she has a date that's on his way and he is a, a, a male model, a French male model. And uh, he said, where'd you meet him? And <laughs> on the internet. And this guy shows up who is definitely not a French male model. And he says bonjour and uh, without a French accent. But anyway, what we're being sold is not always what we're getting. We we have to be careful. It's always been like this. You've always had to test what people said. You've always had to test what the, the goods that people are selling you, whether literal goods or figurative goods. And so we have to be careful, and we can't just believe something that someone says just because they say it. Now, some people have proven themselves trustworthy, and, and we can't go around just always being pessimistic and questioning everything that everyone says all the time. In fact, we're going to see some language in this passage that we look at today that will indicate that there are plenty of people that we should trust unless they give us a reason not to trust them. Uh, but we can't just take people's words for things. Did y'all know, I know this is going to be a shock to many of you, But did y'all know that there are people every week in our country and around the world who stand behind a pulpit and say things that are not true? I know, that's shocking, but it's true. There are false teachers, there are false prophets all the time. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard things from a pulpit that were not true. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard things from a pulpit that not only are they not true, but they're downright hateful. It disgusted me that they were even said. 
And I've heard these things from a pulpit, from a preacher. And so we have to be careful about what people are telling us. And, and, and so we have to make sure that the message is from God. Now, the best way to make sure that a message is from God is for us to back it up by his word. If, if his word backs up what the person is saying, then we're good. But we have to know what the word says. We have to be careful because some people can word God's word in a way, can manipulate it in a way to make it say something that it never said in the first place. Make it say something that's not true. And so all of this to say, we have to be careful. Now, at the end of 1 John chapter 3, we saw that, that John was urging us to love others as Christ has loved us and not just to, to love and talk to wor- in word or talk, but to love in deed and truth, to actually prove our love by our actions. He says, you know, what good is it if you see someone who's in need and we don't meet those needs? That's, that's the love of God's not in the person who sees someone in need and, can't, and, and chooses not to meet those needs if they have the, the ability to. And so we see these things. And we see that chapter 3 ended by him giving us some affirmation, some assurance. We can know that we have a relationship with God if he lists some things. Um, main two being, if we love as Jesus loved, in, in, in deed and truth, and by the fact that those who have a relationship with God have the indwelling the, the holy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us, dwells in us. And so, with that, he goes right into chapter 4. And he says, Beloved. So, he again, he's using this word to, to show his affection, his endearment toward the people to whom he is writing. And, and so, he loves them. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. So, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, is the last verse of chapter 3. But we should not believe every spirit is how this one starts. And if you look, do not believe this statement is a present imperative with a negative particle. And I know that all of you love grammar and you're so happy that I mentioned that. But what that means is, is that it indicates that they are already doing this and they need to stop doing it. So, beloved, do not believe every spirit. They're being lied to. They are believing things that they should not believe. And I can say to myself and to the church today that we need to heed this warning. That there are times when we are believing things that are not true. When I first became a Christian, I knew very little about the Bible. And I just had to take, I didn't have to, but I chose to, I just took what people told me about truth and about Scripture, I just took it for granted and believed it. And then as I began reading the Bible myself, I thought, wait a minute, this isn't what I was told. This isn't what is truth. And so we cannot just believe everything that we're being told. We have to, to follow John's advice, to stop, to do not, be- beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay, so we need to test the spirits. We need to test the things that we're being told. We need to, to test to make sure that what we are being told is true. And, and this 
word um, it tests the spirits. Test is dokimazo in, in the Greek. And it, it is how many of you have ever held like a bar of silver or a bar of gold? No one? Oh, a few of you? Okay. Y'all just don't want to raise your hand so people don't come looking for it in your house. I understand. When I was a teenager, a friend of mine, uh, a guy I worked for, for Christmas one year, he gave me an ounce of silver. Back then, it, it wasn't worth what it's worth now. It, just an ounce of silver. It, it was an interesting feel because each metal has its own unique properties and, and feeling toward it. And, and so that that silver is unique. And, and just in the word here, dokimazo, for test is the word used by metallurgists. Metallurgists? How, yeah, however you say that word. People who work with metal. Um, and what, what they're doing is when, when they put the metal over a fire, they're testing it. They're, they're, they're pull, boiling out the impurities. The dross is, is coming to the top. And when those impurities get to the top, they can just pour it off, right? And when they're done, they don't say, oh, look at this, 1% dross. No, they say 99% silver, gold, whatever it is, right? When you're testing something, you're looking for the good in it, not necessarily looking for the bad in it. Don't be one of those people who just go around looking for the bad in every single person, looking for the negative in every single person. This word just in, in and of itself indicates that we should be looking for the good. But in looking for the good, sometimes what are we going to see? The bad, the negative. And so I just want to encourage us that when you go sit to hear a sermon, don't just look for the bad, okay? Look for the good in what's being said. When you meet someone and they're claiming things to be true, don't just look for the bad. Look for the good in them. And, of course, be wise. Um, be on your toes. If something is said that is not true or that is false, then be ready for that. But we need to not be people who are just looking for the negative in things. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so it is our job as Christians to test what is being told to us. And and to ask, is this from God? Or is this false? Is this from some other type of spirit? Not from God. And, And we have to ask these things. Because there are many times when you when preachers preach things that aren't true. And this isn't just for preachers. Uh, but... John is dealing with false teachers who have come out from these, these people to whom he's writing. And, and specifically, these are people who are saying things like, yes, Jesus is God, but he, he was never really man. He never really had a body because all material things are evil. And, and so Jesus wasn't man. That's the false teaching that is being taught. And so John is, is warning people about a specific thing, and we will see that dealt with specifically in just a moment. But what I want us to do is, if you if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to first sorry Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. Now at the end of first or sorry Second Timothy chapter three, Paul has been challenging Timothy, encouraging Timothy. This is one of Paul's last letters that he wrote. Some people say it is his last letter that he wrote. 
And it's going to Timothy, to the person that he mentored and, and he considered his spiritual son. And he's given them, him all this encouragement, all this advice. At the end of chapter 3, he tells them that all scripture is God-breathed, that it all comes from God. And, and, um, and it's given for all these different reasons so that the man of God can be equipped. And, and then he gets to chapter 4, and he's charging Timothy to preach the word. To, to be ready to, to preach the word and, and, and to do this. And then we get to, to verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I think... That I don't know how long it was before this uh, prophecy by Paul came to be, this prediction by Paul came to be, but I know it's true today that there are people who will will go to a church until they find a church where the person is saying what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. I know that you can turn on the television and flip through some televangelists, and I'm not saying that all televangelists are bad. But you should test the spirits. And they'll flip through the televangelists until they hear someone saying what they want to hear. And that we need to be careful not to do that. We need to be careful not to just accumulate teachers for ourselves who are saying the things that we want to hear. We need to find people who believe that this is the word of God. And that... It is breathed out by God. That God inspired this. It was given to us by God. And that this is how we are to judge life. And what's right. And what's wrong. And how we're to live. And who Jesus was. And how we're to trust him. And how we're to live for him. And and what he did for us. and, And the truth of all of what scripture holds. We should hold it dear. And we should look for teachers who are going to teach what this says. Not just what we want to hear. And... In fact, if you can hear the same preacher preach several messages in a row where there's nothing that pricks you or convicts you of things that need to change in your life, then you, you might want to test and make sure that what that preacher is saying is biblical. Because it's, it's easy for us to find people who won't offend us spiritually. It's easy for us to find people who will only say... Uh, good things, encouraging things, whether they're true or not. But what that does is it, it gives us a, a an invalid view of what life is and what Scripture really says. Because there are people that if you turn on your TVs, if you were to go home right now and turn on your TV, depending on what channels you get, then you could find a preacher who is telling you if bad things are happening to you, then it's it's because of your sin because God doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. So if you'll just stop sinning, then only good things will happen to you. Well, Jesus never sinned. And did only good things happen to him? No. He died on a cross. Okay? The, the disciples, the apostles, they, they did their best to live for God. Now, I'm not saying they were perfect. They definitely sinned. But they did their best to live for God. And of all the people throughout history... When we read about um, people who loved God, 
then the disciples and the apostles were up there, okay? And did everything go well for them? No. They all experienced some sort of persecution or martyrdom. And that's just the truth, is that if we want to live for Christ, then the, then what what have we learned already in 1 John and in other parts of the Bible? Is the world going to love us? No, the Bible tells us that the world is going to hate us if we choose to live for Christ. It hated him. It, it will hate us. And so we can find preachers, if we want, who will um, ignore these truths or teach something opposite of these truths. So we have to be careful because like Timothy, uh, like Paul warned Timothy, there are people who will look for um, teachers who will only say things that tickle their ears, that please them. And we don't want to be those people. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit, verse 3, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Okay, so in verse 2, we see how we can know if, if in this case, in this specific instance, if a spirit is from God. Okay, the problem in John's day is that there were people who were going out and saying that Jesus Christ has come, he was God, but he wasn't in the flesh. So the way John addresses this specific false teaching is by saying that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Who has come in the flesh is from God. And that, and so this addresses the false teaching that people were saying that Jesus wasn't fully human. Okay? But does this address every false teaching? No. Because as we've already seen in this letter, there were people in the midst of the Christians, in the midst of the congregation, who had gone out from them. And John says that they were never of them. But those people confessed Christ. They said that Jesus is the Christ. But then they went out. But then John says once they went out that they were never of them. For if they were of them, they would never went out from them. And so this is to address this specific false teaching. Other parts of Scripture tell, tell us how to address other false teachings. But what we need to do is you need to take what people are saying. What people are saying about God. What people are saying about the church. What people are saying about how you should live your life. And you need to ask yourself, is this what Scripture says? Because there are plenty of times when people tell us that we're to do something and it's not even what the Bible says. There, you can look throughout history and people use things... Use the Bible itself to justify all sorts of hatred and sin. Hitler would use Scripture to justify what he did. So was he taking Scripture in all of its context, in all of its truth, in all of its beauty, and applying it the right way in life? No, he was a false teacher. He was a false prophet. And in the same way... We have people today who are trying to tell us how we should live our lives and we need to make sure that what they're saying is scriptural because if we're not careful, 
we can be the ones living life in a way that is turning people away from God and turning people off from God rather than turning people to God. And so all I'm saying is that we need to test the spirits. So in, in verse 4, sorry, verse 3, we see that every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Well, that's a good way to know if someone is, is not teaching truth according to the Bible is if they don't confess that Jesus is the Lord. Okay, If they don't confess that Jesus is God, then there's a, a big red flag. Let's just put it like that. Uh, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. And again, this is going back to what John has already said. Um, not the figure at the end time of time, but just this general spirit that goes against Jesus. That is Antichrist. So this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Verse 4. Little children... You are from God. So here he calls them little children again. He's done this several times. And he loves them. He cares for them. He believes that they are Christians. And he is saying, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Them being the the evil spirits, but also those who are teaching these things. For he who is in the world, for he who is in you, sorry, is greater than he who is in the world. For he who is in you is greater than and he who is in the world. So, this is the truth that we should focus on. When we're dealing with difficult situations, when we're dealing with with hardships in our life, we should remember that whatever we go through, God is in us. When people come against us, when, when, when life or specific individuals or whatever the case might be, when they come against us, And we have asked ourselves, are we living our life the way that God has desired? Are we living our life according to what this says? And we found that we're we're doing what's right? Then we can know that God is in us. God is going to defend us. We don't even have to defend ourselves. God is going to defend us. We can know that whatever is done negative against us, that God is going to make it right in the end. That he's going to take care of it. We can know that right now, in the midst of the situation, in the midst of the trial, that God is for us, that God is in us. And we can know that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in the world being uh, the devil and by proxy his, his servants, demons, and anyone who is being influenced by them. So, verse 5. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So here's what he's saying. And this sounds a little um, arrogant, but he's basically saying, look, we're from God. What we're saying is true. They're not from God. What they're saying is not true. If you want to know if someone is from God or not from God, are they saying what we're saying? If they're saying what we're saying, they're from God. If they're not saying what we're saying, then they're not. Now, if you look at some of these pronouns, starting in verse 5, or or actually, let's start in verse 4. Little children, you, you being the pronoun, if if in verse 4, you are from God and have overcome them. Okay, so... You, the people to whom he is writing, these Christians, 
you are from God and have overcome them. Them being the people who are teaching false things. Them being the people who are going against what God's word says. He, he being God, who is in you, is greater than he, he being the devil, who is in the world. Verse 5, they are from the world. These are the people that are teaching false things. Therefore, they speak from, from the world, and the world listens to them. We, now he's talking about Christians again, are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Now, there's a lot of people who believe when he transitions from saying, little children, you, to we, in this last verse here, he's specifically speaking about um, the apostles, the, the, teacher, the people who spent time with Jesus, and then they passed on to us what Jesus said. Because um, in, in the time that the New Testament, I know this is, goes without saying, but in the time where the New Testament was written, it was in the process of being written. It was in the process of being passed around. They didn't have copies of the New Testament like we have now. They knew a lot more about the Old Testament because it was already in existence and it had been written from, you know, 400 and more years ago. So they had it. They understood it. They had been taught that their whole lives. But here are these people where just in recent, a recent generation, Jesus had come and they didn't have a, a copy of the New Testament like we have a copy of the New Testament right now. One way we know this is simple. This is the letter, First John, that they were receiving. And so in and of itself, they didn't just have it bound, and they, they're just now receiving it and reading it. And so the point is, is that when he says, we are from God, he's saying, we spent time with Jesus. We know Jesus. We are passing on to you what he told us and passed on to us. And this is truth. Scripture is truth. What, what we now have as the Bible, that is truth. We are from God, and whoever knows God... He's saying if people really know God, if they knew God, if they knew Jesus, then they're going to back up what we're saying. And they're going to say this is truth. And they listen to us. And whoever is not from God <clears throat> does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So how do we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error? Well, in today's world we can say, if you believe this and teach this and live this and listen to this, then that's the spirit of truth. But if you go against what Scripture says, if you go against what God's Word has taught us, then this is the spirit of error. And so in closing, I want us to go back to, to verse 4 and remember this. That he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. I want us to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, that what we are being taught through Scripture, if, if, and let me say this, through preachers, through Sunday school teachers, through any, anybody who is teaching us in life, through our parents or our grandparents or the televangelists or uh, whoever it might be uh, that's teaching us, we need to test what is being taught. We need, and whether it's a friend, whether it's someone who's sending us a text message about what God said to them or did in life, uh, I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to people anymore. I'm just saying that when God speaks, when someone says God has spoken, we need to test what has been said according to this. I'll close with this story and, and with this verse 4. 
Um, I had a friend, my college roommate, one of my college roommates. I had a lot of college roommates. I don't know why they didn't want to keep living with me, but they just seemed to move out all the time. No, I'm just playing. They were older, and they would graduate. And anyway, uh, so I had a college roommate. He was a great guy. His name was Galen, and uh, he was a great friend. And uh, Galen has passed away now, but um, when we were college roommates, he had schizophrenia. And with this disease, um, there's different forms, and the extent of schizophrenia is a lot different in different cases. But in his, he uh, would see things. For example, one time I saw him looking around the room, and I was like, what, what are you looking at? He was like, that butterfly. Well, there was no butterfly in the room. And so that's just an example of what will be going on. So that's innocent and fun, right? But then he would also have uh, God appear to him. And how his question is, how do I know if this is God or not? If I can't believe my eyes because I'm seeing things, how can I know if this is God or not? One night, God told him in this vision, God told him, to take off his shoes and to walk home, which was about an hour away by car, to prove that he loved him. And so Galen took off his shoes and started walking. Now, luckily, his former roommate was on his way home and found him. But by the time he found him, um, his feet were already bloody. He was, he was going through a hard time. And so Galen and I were talking about this later. How do I know if it's God or if it's just my messed up mind? And there was one thing I could tell him. Test it by this. Because there are plenty of us in this room right now who do not have schizophrenia. Who believe things that we think are from God and are not. We all have to deal with this. What's true and what's not. Maybe not in the sense of what Galen had to deal with it. Of how he had to deal with it. But we all have to deal with it. What's true and what's not. But if you are a Christian. If you are saved. If you have the Holy Spirit. Then test things by by that Spirit. (laughs) Bring things before God. Bring things before His Word. Ask, is this truth? Is this what you desire? And, and live with it. Go with it if it's what God desires. And if it's not, then back up. But here's what we have to remember is that he who is in us is greater than he is who is in the world. And so when our hearts are deceiving us, like at the end of chapter 3 of First John, when our hearts are deceiving us, or when the world is deceiving us, what do we do? We remember that he who is in us is greater than he is who is in the world. We have to remember that, that God in us, that God through his word, can, can speak truth to us in a way that we can know what is true or not. We have the ability to discern truth from error. And that truth is given to us in the form of His Word, and in the form of His Holy Spirit, in the form of solid Christians who love God and who have proven themselves over, the, over your time and your friendship together. Go to them and ask them for advice. But we all have to test these things so that we can see what is truly God and what is truly not. Okay, So for all of us, this morning, maybe there are things that you've been wondering 
is this true or is this not? What should I do in this situation? I might not have answers for you, but I can pray for you. There are other men and women in this room who can pray for you. Or maybe you're in here and you know someone who has um, embraced a false teaching. Embraced something that is error and not truth from God. And, And this morning, we can pray for those people. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you want to be a part of a church who teaches truth, who embraces truth. And you want to to become a member here. You're already a Christian, and you you want to call this church your home. Then we're here. We invite you to, to be a part of us. Maybe you're in here this morning, and you want the Holy Spirit to live in you so that you can help discern what is true or not. You want the Holy Spirit to live in you because... You believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He came in the flesh, that He is fully human and fully God, and that you want to serve Him. You want to live for Him. You want Him to save you. You want to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and you want to live for Him in a new way. If that's you this morning and you want to be saved, then you can do that this morning. God can save you this morning. And if you want to talk to me about that, then please come talk to me about it. And if you're already in here and you're saved, but you haven't made that public yet, and you want to tell people that this is where you are, that you are living for Christ, then come forward and and, and make that public. Tell people, I'm I'm following Jesus, and I want to live for him. But my encouragement to you this morning is this. Know that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, and that we can know truth, and we can live by truth. And we can point out false teaching, and we can ignore that false teaching, and we can uh, rebuke that false teaching, and we can live by what is true. So let's pray. And then we'll have our time of invitation. Lord, we love you. And God, I just pray that during this time of invitation, if there's anyone in here who needs to respond to you and in and, and whatever way that might be, in all the different manners that we just discussed, I pray that, that they would do that. Lord, we, we know that, um, that there are all sorts of things being taught around us and, and in this world today. And we want to know what is from you and we want to live for you. And we want to uh, abide by what your teachings are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.